0: begin with the apostolic greeting. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Lord be with you. with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for planting in us the seed of your word. By your Holy Spirit, help us to receive it with joy and live according to it so that we may grow in faith and hope and love through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
1: first lesson today comes from the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter. God's word to Israel's exiles is as sure and effective as, as never failing precipitation. Their return to the holy land in a new exodus is cheered on by singing mountains and by trees that clap their hands. A reading from Isaiah. Isaiah. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off word of the lord be to god. the second reading comes from romans the 8th chapter verses 1 through 11 there is no condemnation for those who live in christ god sent christ to accomplish what the law was unable to do condemn sin and free us from its death dealing ways the spirit now encompasses empowers proper actions, and values in our lives, and gives us the promise of resurrection life. A reading from Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not permit, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. through his spirit that dwells in you word of God word of life please rise for the gospel
0: Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth Choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The gospel of the Lord you may be seated. Grace this morning to each of you and peace from God, the creator, and from the source of salvation, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. It's ironic at a service where we have probably the lowest attendance I've seen in months that I ask the question, is the Christian faith relevant? Is the Christian faith Relevant As church attendance declines throughout the country, as well as across denominations, and as the fastest growing religious demographic are the nuns, that is those who claim none when it comes to religious affiliation, congregations like ours must ask and answer one simple question. Has our faith, the Christian faith, lost its relevance to people living in the modern or indeed post-modern world. Has the Christian faith, our faith, lost its relevance to people living in the modern or post-modern world? People who are modern in mentality and secular in sensibility. The so-called spiritual say, but not religious. If so, what happened? How did the faith of the church become irrelevant? And what, if anything, can we do, a tiny congregation tucked away in the heart of Queen Anne, about it? Now, as you might imagine, the question of Christianity's relevance is actually not something new. It didn't arise with the most recent trends in religious demographics. In 1963, the Lutheran theologian, Paul Tillich, big surprise, made it the focus of three public lectures he gave in Berkeley, California. These lectures were the culmination of a long, distinguished, and sometimes embattled career. Indeed, by the 1950s, Tillich had been dubbed America's most dangerous theologian for challenging conventional notions of God, including the idea that God exists, at least the way like we do. Now 76, Tillich mounts the podium as indisputably the most praised and also the most questioned theologian in North America, if not the world. An overflow audience waits with bated breath. Fundamentalists, as well as radicals, picket outside. This is, after all, Berkeley. And Tillich knows half his audience are pastors, while others are university intellectuals, divinity scholars, and spiritual mavericks, mavericks in every state of doubt. Sounds a little bit like our congregation, doesn't it? <laughs> Here, in, poignantly, in a poignantly compact three hours, Tillich has to summarize his entire career of mediating, which is to say of going back and forth between the gospel and the modern world. Again, mediating, going back and forth between the gospel and the modern world. Now in a moment, I'm gonna give you the gist of Tillich's response to the question of whether Christianity, or more specifically, the Christian message is relevant to people today. How he argues that the Christian faith and message can indeed be relevant again to modern people. But first, first, I wanna make my own case for how the Christian faith can be relevant, not broadly to the modern world, but to each of you, to each of us, sitting here or listening today. That is, what kind of difference, if any, can the Christian faith make in our daily lives? What a question! Why don't pastors preach that more often? There is a pastor, of course, at Ballard First Lutheran, I know, who preaches this quite frequently. But among the other pastors I know, I find myself wondering this question. Why aren't we asking more often the question of what difference, if anything, Christianity can make in our daily lives? I'm asking that, and I want to answer it by turning from Paul Tillich to the Apostle Paul and something absolutely astonishing he says in Romans 8, our second reading. By the way, that reference to Ballard First Lutheran was because we have one of its pastors in our pews this morning, and we're very delighted to see him here. Let's look at Romans 8 together as printed in your bulletin. Set your eyes first on verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This, I would argue, is central to Paul's message. When I was in seminary, we were taught to ask two questions in this regard, free from what and free for what. In this case, free from the powers of sin and death, the powers that grip us and compel us to do things that are not in our best interest, much less the interest of our neighbor, things that are comparable to addictions today. We are set free from that power, Paul says. We have been called to freedom, Paul says elsewhere in Galatians. So at the heart of the Christian message is being freed from these worldly powers that compel us to idolatry, that compel us to worship things that are beneath the glory of God, that compel us to to live lives of bondage and captivity. Now take a look at verse 4b. Here we learn that those who, this is the second half of the verse, uh, here we learn about those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now historically, many Christians, myself excluded, have interpreted this as a reference to the body and the soul. The flesh is the body, it's bad, it's evil, The soul is the spirit, it's good, it's transcendent. Feminist theologians have pointed out that the body is often identified with the female body and the soul identified with the self-transcendent male ego. That is a very problematic interpretation of Paul and I would argue that it's a misinterpretation. When Paul refers here to spirit and flesh, he's referring to two ways of being in the world two ways of being in the world, one oriented towards self, given over to the various idols of the age, the other, as I said before, called to freedom in Jesus Christ, such that we become, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, men and women, indeed people for others. So we've heard about this, we've heard this message of being set free, We've heard this distinction Paul will make repeatedly in his letters between the flesh and the spirit. Again, two different, let me go full-on nerd here, existential orientations. One that leads to death, like an addiction. The other that leads to life, which is the spirit. Notice finally verse 11. Here Paul says at the end of our passage, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Do you hear those words, mortal bodies? Paul here is talking about the resurrection in present terms. Not something simply that happened bodily to Jesus some 2,000 years ago in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, but something that is always happening, or at least always potentially happening in the life of the believers. Resurrection in the present tense. Resurrection in present terms. Resurrection is not something to be believed, but something to be lived. Now, if you think this is odd, think again. Paul says the same thing in Romans 4.17, where he writes... I have made you, he's quoting now, the father of many nations, that's from God to Abraham in the the book of Genesis, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, referring again to Abraham, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Notice again, who gives life to the dead. Not simply life after death, but life to the living dead. The so-called dead souls. And again, Colossians 3.1. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This is another way of distinguishing life in the spirit, the risen life, with life in the flesh, the old Adam, that which needs to be killed, which otherwise leads to death. Well now, you might be saying to yourself, This complicates what it means to be Christian a little bit, doesn't it? Again, instead of merely believing in the bodily resurrection of Jesus as an event that took place once upon a time in the not-so-distant past, Paul says you have to live it. You've heard this story before. A former colleague of mine from Pacific Lutheran University was approached by a a very conservative student who pressed him on the question of resurrection. Do you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? He charged my friend, his professor. To which my friend replied, absolutely. I try to live it every day. Believing in the bodily resurrection is easy. It simply requires cognitive assent but living the resurrection is something else. The resurrection here is a new way of life, something available to us in the here and now on this side of the grave. A life in the words of our gospel reading for today that frees us from, quote, the cares of the world and the lure of wealth, end quote. A life liberated from the need to be seen, as is the case for many would-be influencers. A life liberated from the need to be first, the need to be noticed, the need to be more successful than your neighbor. Yes, it's easy to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus, But wow, try living it. (laughs) No wonder we need help from the spirit of God as Paul says in verse 11. And here's the good news. Here's the astonishing news. Here's the great news. God promises to give you and me this spirit, this same animating and renewing power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is promised. To you. And here's the even better part. We don't have to die, or rather wait to die, to experience this power. It's available to us here and now. The Spirit will give life to your mortal bodies, Paul says, by dwelling in each of you. Whew! Now, Let me put to everyone gathered here, as well as those listening online, a single question. Just one question. Is this the kind of life you want to live? I'm asking each of you this moment. Is this the kind of life you want to live? A life freed from the cares of the world. And all the empty promises of fulfillment, and believe me, I know this by way of experience, the empty promises of fulfillment, the idols of our age that come with everything from, again, the lure of wealth to the idol of success. I often think here of that line from First Timothy where the author states that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is something that we need for the sake of, in this case of an economy, but it's the love of money, what Saint Ignatius of the Catholic tradition calls the disordered attachment that is akin here to the lure of wealth. Success isn't bad, but making success your reason for being, again, an empty promise reflected of these cares of the world. Are you moved, moreover, by Martin Luther's understanding of dying with Christ and being raised to new life as a daily occurrence. Not something for which we wait in the future, but a daily occurrence available to each of us now. One where you live and practice the resurrection. Think about that rather than simply believing it happened to a man 2,000 years ago, again in the backwaters of the Roman Empire. One is historical, the other, as I believe Paul is, is existential. One where you live for others instead of only for yourself. Then guess what? If all these things sound appealing to you, if this new way of life available to you each day sounds attractive, You've just proven the relevance, or at least the potential relevance, of the Christian faith and life. I don't know about you, but I know for me, this is the kind of life I want to live. A life that Shankara, a famous religious thinker of India, once described as liberation while living. But how do I do it? How do we do it? Well, let me offer three quick suggestions. First, and I'm really preaching to the choir here, keep coming to church. (laughs) Keep coming to church. I know that there were many obstacles between you and our worship service today, or at least there have been. I know that there are many obstacles generally to attending worship. Compared to 50 years ago, the church is no longer supported by our surrounding culture. And I think the best example of that is the fact that youth sports are scheduled on Sunday mornings. The surrounding culture doesn't give two bits about the church. In fact, in many cases, it's hostile to it. It's for that reason all the more that I advise you, if you wish to live the resurrection faith, keep coming to church. Because in church, speaking of sports, this is the place where we practice living the resurrection by reconciling ourselves to each other, for example, in the sharing of the peace. So that's my first suggestion. To practice living the resurrection, which is something we do in a worship service, Keep doing, as my Uncle Bill used to say, what you're doing now. Come to church. Number two, instead of looking at your phone or grumbling, as I sometimes do, begin your day by reading a verse from scripture. Think about how that can frame your entire day. You heard a great one last week from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus says, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is life. Or is light. What a powerful day to begin, way to begin your day. Instead of looking at your phone or grumbling, begin your day by reading, a verse from scripture. Third and finally, pray for the spirit to dwell within you, to free you from the cares of the world so that you may live for others as God intended. The only way to make the Christian faith relevant, as you can see, is to live it, to live the resurrection as a daily possibility, opportunity, and occurrence in your lives. It's not an abstract answer meant for the broader culture, it's an answer for you and me. Start with us here. Live the resurrection here and now, and you will make the faith relevant to our times. Back in 1963, Paul Tillich answered the question a little differently than I did for you today. For him, the Christian faith must address the most widespread predicament of the modern world, Namely, the problem of meaninglessness. The problem of life without purpose. The attitude that nothing really matters. Broadly speaking, I still think that's true. There's a reason why Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in Southern California happens to be the second best-selling author on Amazon. His book, The Purpose-Driven Life, sold over 60 million copies. This Problem remains as acute today as it was in 1963 when Tillich gave those lectures. But in the end, I would say, the only way to make Christianity relevant to our lives, again, is to live it. May God help make our faith relevant to us by raising us to new life each and every day. And all God's people said, remembering that in the original latin the words i believe mean i give my heart to let us say together the words of our faith in the, the lang- let us speak together our commitment to this faith in the language of the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or kneel, whichever you prefer.
1: Confident that God receives our joys and concerns, let us offer our prayers for the church, those in need, and all of creation. of loving kindness guide your church to sow seeds of forgiveness and righteousness on good soil inspire your people to live out and proclaim your love in this congregation and throughout the world lord in your mercy creator god sustain your creation In the face of climate change, by sending favorable weather, causing trees and fields to grow, protecting waterways from pollution, and instilling in all people the need to be good stewards of what you have made. Lord, in your mercy, God of peace, grant peace among all people. Raise up lawyers to work for justice in the courts, advocates to speak for the downtrodden, and politicians to work on behalf of the common good. Lord, in your mercy. God of restoration and wholeness, heal those who are sick. Guide health care workers to care for those who suffer. Scientists to conduct life-saving research and counselors to care for victims of sexual abuse and exploitation Lord in your mercy God of compassion answer the prayers of those gathered in worship protect those who travel near and far accompany visitors to this congregation and nurture our faith Lord in your mercy for whom or what do the people of God pray?
2: For the family of B.C.O. No, and they prepared. Lord, your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
2: For my niece, Kara, who is working in law with the Red Cross right now, helping the people to recover from a lot of sin. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer.
0: God of loving kindness, we pray for each person gathered here today, that you bless them and enable them to live the life of the resurrection. We pray especially for Daisy in this time of transition, for the family of Dan, for Matt's mother Jeannie, for Shirley's friend Judy, for Jackie, for Chris, for the father of Athena, for the family of Christine, for Cara's friend Lena and Lena's brother Ivor, for the Ritchie family, for Richard, for Eunice, for Matthew, for John's friend, for Jessica and Jennifer, for Pat, Pat's sister Donna, and Pat's niece Kathleen, for Finley, Kirsty, Awatash, Mulugeta, for Jan, Jean, Richard, Barb, Denny, Hildy, Mary, Carol, and Lisa H. Lord, in your mercy. Amen.
1: God of every time and place, help make our faith relevant by raising us to new life here and now, each and every day. <clears throat> Inspire us by the example of those who have gone before us, the saints of light, insofar as they embodied your love in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Into your hands, O God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in the one whose life has everlasting relevance, Jesus Christ, our physician and healer, our Savior and Lord. Amen.
2: Amen.
0: Please rise as you are able. The peace of Christ be with you always. Let us share a sign of that peace with our neighbor. Please remain standing as you are able for the great Thanksgiving.
3: indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you almighty and merciful God through our Savior Jesus Christ and so with all the choirs of angels with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven
0: As we prepare our hearts for this holy meal, let us pray together the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial deliver us from evil kingdom, the power, the glory, yours, now and forever. Amen. While God in Christ now fills all things according to Ephesians 9, 4, 9 through 10, Christ comes to us in a special way where Christ has promised to be, the sacrament of Holy Communion. You wish to receive from your pew at this time, I invite you to take out your communable. For those coming forward to receive from the railing, be sure again to use sanitizer. If you wish to receive a blessing at the railing in place of the Eucharist, simply fold your arms. All are welcome to the table in this place of grace. Again, for those receiving communion from the pews, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. You may be seated. Please rise as you are able for our post-communion prayer. Gracious God, as Paul says, in you we live and move and have our being. With your word and this meal of grace, you have nourished our life together and renewed us for life in the world. Strengthen us to show your love and serve others in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated now for announcements. Good morning, once more. Welcome, one and all, to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. I wanted to say a few things about uh, our service this morning. First of all, a just a an acknowledgement of our cantor. That introduction to Lord, keep us steadfast in your word was marvelous. So, thank you, Kyle, for sharing your gifts. With the congregation. I also want to thank Carol Ann who stepped in last minute to fill the role of assisting minister, as well as our ushers, uh, our counters, uh, and everyone who makes uh, this service possible. Uh, thank you. Speaking of our assisting minister, uh, today, or rather uh, in celebration of their 26th wedding anniversary, Carol Ann and Stephen uh, have provided the altars on the flower. Congratulations, Carol Ann. Next Sunday uh, is an event that Kyle, I assume, would like to, to share. Good morning. We're having a pickup choir next week. Everybody's welcome. It'll start at 9 o'clock. We'll uh, aim to start at 9 sharp and uh, make some music together for probably about 40 minutes, maybe 45, uh, in preparation to present that music as part of the worship service at 10 a.m. I've got a couple things in mind, and we'll kind of see who's here and what works. Uh, there's kind of a call and response, uh, morning, uh, kind of morning prayer selections from uh, Marty Haugen, no relation. And uh, some other stuff I've got in mind. So uh, uh, come, come, join in the fun! And uh, again, we'll present that music as part of the worship service. Um, Ordinarily, I I would I would stay and try to to do some arm twisting, but um, uh, something's not sitting well with me this morning. So I may just kind of scooch out after after church. Uh, We'll see how it goes. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Just a note about office hours this coming week. Barb, as some of you know, uh, got COVID. Uh, Our parish administrator got COVID. Uh, Nobody else was affected as far as I know. She is uh, accordingly working from home and will be back uh, in the office at the earliest on Tuesday. Otherwise, office hours remain as they are. I would love to see you or hear from you how you're doing. You're always welcome to stop by or give me a call or send me an email. I think about all of you often, and uh, it's always nice to hear from you. My message today was simple. The best way to make Christianity relevant is to live it. We heard three ways of doing that, to come to church, as you've done today, so that we can rehearse the kingdom, so that we can rehearse the the risen life for life out in the world. Again, read a verse from Scripture in the morning, so rehearse a verse and a prayer. Pray for the Spirit to dwell within you, such that you may be drawn to life in the Spirit. I invite you, please, now to rise as you are able for the blessing. As I said, you leave the sanctuary risen in Christ to go back into a world hurting and in need of healing. Receive the blessing as you go.
3: The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace.
0: Our sending hymn is number 550 in the Red Hymnal on what has now been sown.